Turned off by religion and hypocrisy? Hate being preached to? Something missing in your life? You haven't been getting the whole truth, the whole Bible, and the Hebraic roots of the scriptures. Get answers and treasures now on Solace Radio. Shalom, hello, and welcome to the third CD in this series entitled, For the Earth Was Filled with Violence, a phrase or a passage that's in Genesis chapter 6, in which God describes uh, what we're doing, what the people are doing, before the whole concept of the flood. Now, this is part of the pattern that I believe is going to start, or did start, in the garden, in which we have this standoff, if you will, if I could just use that word for now, between the words of Elohim. And the words of the adversary, because that is ostensibly what is going on in the garden in the beginning. And the subsequent effects of those words, and on not just Adam and Eve and all those who were in their loins, which would be you and me right now, but the earth, the trees, the vegetation, the planets, the stars, the moon, everything, the whole universe went into a state of entropy from that point forward. And we were talking about the four forces when we left off last time, the uh, electromagnetic force, the weak nuclear force, and the strong nuclear force. And the fourth one, of course, was gravity. I want you to pay attention, uh, focus on that word for right now, because you're going to hear this word later. This idea of that fourth force, which binds the solar system, being the gravitational force. So we're going to see a little bit about that later, because basically... As far as the universe is concerned, this gravitational force is the most important of these forces because it keeps things in their orbits and cycles. It keeps things in their orbits and cycles. Once again, the universe operates on cycles. And this gravitational force is what pulls all things together. That's why it's more important and the most important one of these four forces. Now, I want to remind you that what we're basically relating this to is you and I and the power that we have in our words and sound, because I'm submitting to you that mankind's collective obedience, once again, can restore the universe or mankind's collective disobedience can corrupt the universe. This choice is given to man. And so when we see these things occurring in the latter days, it's because what we have done Through the influence of what? The words of the other seed. Because the seeds are out, uh, the seed of the enmity enmity is out to destroy the seed of the woman. Our Bible tells us that your word, Psalm 119 verse 160, is true right from the very beginning. Which is another biblical way of saying whatever uh, created the universe is sustaining the universe. So the word is true from the beginning. Every one of your righteous judgments endure forever. Everything, once again, is made up of mass and matter, and everything is energy. Everything is made up of energy. And energy is information. Scientists will tell you that energy is simply information. Now, that English word information comes from the Latin word informo, which actually means to form or to shape something. To form or to shape. Now, once again, in Hebrew, this word is yatsar. It's translated many times in your Bible as to form or to shape. This is is the, the background in the Latin for the word for energy, which is information. And so in Hebrew, yatsar, which is yod, tzadi, resh, can be found, for example, let me open up my Bible here. Uh, This will be certainly familiar in the beginning. 
when we read in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, and Yahweh Elohim formed man of the dust of the ground. That is that word, Yatsar. Once again, energy information is put into Adam. In verse 8, it says it again, and Yahweh planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he has formed in the garden. Verse 19, we see it again. When it says, And out of the ground Yahweh Elohim formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air. Basically what he's saying is, the things that are made of, that, that, that are living, and so forth. He formed. They're f- full of this energy. And so they have a sound that they're going to, to produce. We also know that this word in Hebrew is the same word for potter and pot. We are the pot. He is the potter. That is formed from that same word. We are that which is formed, and he is the one that forms us. In Isaiah uh, 29, 16, I've got to read some scriptures that, that validate these things as much as I can. 29, verse 16 says, Surely your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. For shall the work say of him who made it, He hath made me not? Or shall the thing formed say of him who formed it, he had no understanding. So can, you know, can the pot say to the one that did it, you don't know what you're doing, why did you make me this way, so on and so forth. He is the potter, we are the clay. Because all the information, if, if we're just a bunch of clay, we're just going to sit there and bake in the sun in the ground and nothing's going to happen. And so information is entered into the system to form it by design to be a pot. And that's what the potter does. And so what the Bible calls God is what science understands puts all energy into things is information because information is indeed energy. I want to give you some examples of of this this exchange of either obeying the word of God and things that happen or disobeying and things that happen. I just want to give you a few examples. Uh, We may come up uh, and use some others later depending upon our time. But I want you to pay careful attention to these words, for example, in Brashit or Genesis 18, verse 19, when it says, For I know him, this is speaking of, of uh, Abraham, he says, I know him, and that he will command his children and his household after him, that they should keep the way of Yahweh, to do justice and judgment. Why? This is the end of the verse. That Yahweh may bring upon Abraham that which he had spoken of him. So the future, the, the, the fruition of the promises given to Abraham are the result of him keeping the way of Yahweh. And because he keeps the way of Yahweh, these things happen to Abraham and those who are after him. Once again, I submit to you that the first five days are all the support system for man on the sixth day. However, man has a direct effect upon the creation of the first five days. The fulfillment of prophecy, I'm going to propose to you, seems to be directly connected to keeping the way of Yahweh. Now, why would that be true? Well, once again, what do prophets actually do? I mean, we've talked about this word before. Prophecy and prophets, we know that according to Revelation 19, verse 10, the testimony of Yeshua is indeed the spirit of prophecy. And what what does it mean to be the spirit of prophecy and prophesying and so forth? Well, once again, it is agricultural. And what a prophet does, the the word for prophet is Navi. 
in Hebrew. Navi is the word for prophet. But it comes from the root nuv, nuv, which is simply a noon in the bet. Nuv is a Hebrew word that expresses the idea of producing fruit, to blossom and produce fruit. And that's what the basis of a prophet and prophecy is all about. When Jonah goes into Nineveh, he's going to express this simple agricultural picture. In other words, the idea of prophecy in a prophet is agricultural. In other words, he knows what's going to happen to Nineveh by the fruit they're producing. I believe that prophets are given the ability to understand the seed, to recognize the other seed when they see it. Not the seed of the Word of God. I believe they're able to recognize that as too, that as well. But that is ostensibly what prophets and prophecy does. It recognizes what the fruit is going to be by the seed that produces it. That's why prophecy is related to fruit. So we can understand when we go into Nineveh and see all the depravity of this great city because he knows, he recognizes that seed by what? By the fruit. He, you shall know them by their fruit. And so he already knows what the ramifications of producing that kind of fruit is going to be. It's going to be utter destruction. And of course, he tells them that this is going to happen. And as we know, as a result of what he told them, in other words, he said words, these people did what? In Nineveh, they repented. They repented and turned and followed the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so the uh, destruction was stayed. I mean, eventually Nineveh was destroyed, we know, probably because the next generations down the line did not follow the seed of the woman, did not follow their fathers, and so they ended up suffering those ramifications. And so, as you know, Jonah was all upset over the whole thing, and that's another whole story that we'll deal with at another time. But the reality is that men have the ability to restore what men have corrupted. The Father gave us the ability to do so. Should it come as any surprise that Nineveh warned the people of what was happening? And so, based upon their response to his words, judgment was stayed, as if to say that that if he would have found ten righteous men in Sodom and Gomorrah, that he might not have destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Why? Because based upon the size probably of Sodom and Gomorrah, 10% would have been a small remnant. But he couldn't even find a small remnant among them. And so Sodom and Gomorrah went up in, in a puff of smoke. And of course, later on, we're going to see that Nineveh ends up going up in a puff of smoke. But the same is true with keeping the ways of Yahweh, that he brought upon Abraham all the things which he had spoken of Abraham because he obeyed these things. Now we go to Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. We're finally actually getting... By the time we get to the third CD, we've actually arrived at the verse that contains uh, or leads us up to the words that contain the earth was filled with violence. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, before the flood, we are told that God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. Now, that word imagination there should sound familiar. We just talked about it. It is the Hebrew equivalent, if you will, of this Latin word of information. And is yatsar. Yatsar, once again, is the yod sari resh. So, in the English, they have translated this as imagination. 
the things that they formed, if you will, and did put together themselves out of the thoughts of his heart. Because imagination isn't really the thoughts part. There's a whole separate Hebrew word for the thoughts there. The imagination, the word imagination, is the things that were formed and shaped by them. In other words, their information input to the system. Now, God's information not only created the universe and made it perfect in the beginning, but because man entered his information in the system. Now, how did that happen? Through the serpent in the garden, intruding in the midst of the garden, and saying the famous words, has God said. Now, those had an effect. Those words, because those words would have had a frequency and they would have made a difference. They had their own sound, if you will. And those affected the people in the garden. And because of the power and the nature of God's creation, his people, humans in the garden, the whole universe goes into a state of entropy. And so when you get to the time, just preceding the time of Noah, men were doing and forming and, and shaping things the way they wanted to. They were entering their information into the system. And of course, what was the result of that? Well, that's what we're going to start to read here in the subsequent verses following this, is the earth is going to be filled primarily speaking of the people. But I'm going to submit to you, the earth itself was also filled with violence. It had not manifested yet. It's not going to happen until the flood uh, some 120 years later. But the earth itself was filled with violence because of the wickedness of man that was great in the earth. Now, remember we talked before about how sound frequencies, when you want to... Uh, collapse the uh, the crystal wine glass on the table. Everything remains silent. Then you speak, you sing, or create a tone that matches the natural frequency of the glass, and then you overcome it by the volume. You just raise the decibel level. That's the, and and that we compared that to Jericho, and using the silence the shofar, and then the great noise, and there was an effect. Well, it mentions here that God saw that the wickedness of man was not just in the earth, but great in the earth, and that the things he formed in his shape, the information he entered in the system, was only evil continually from that. And so therefore, the earth was corrupt, and the earth was filled with violence. That which is the title here. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Now, here's what I want to propose to you. That it is because, as we read these opening verses of Genesis chapter 6, it started out, if you remember, that man, and man began to multiply wives and so forth, and, the, and the, the, the sons of God and the daughters of men. I'm not going to get into that uh, uh, right now. But, but the point being is that it was what men did. It was the imagination of their heart that was continually upon the earth, and evil was continually happening. So the more you do these things, it's just like you and I, uh, there are frequencies called infrasound in the universe that are destructive frequencies. They're very low frequencies, and they're called infrasound, and they're very destructive. Now, you can hear some of these tones, for, for example, in uh, very heavy uh, uh, rap music or, 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 or heavy metal rock and things like that with that thumping kind of bass and so forth. That is very destructive. As a matter of fact, I talked in, a, in another series in another place where they can actually melt 
your organs, that these low frequencies can actually take things down and melt your heart and your frequencies. But our, I believe our bodies, and, and this is, we see this every day, I believe our bodies can sustain a certain amount of that. It's this, it's just when it's every day, day after day after day, pretty soon it begins to destroy and corrupt your DNA. It begins to uh, uh, corrupt things within you, your bodily organs and everything. And this is because of the continued presence of it. So that's why we're told in Genesis chapter 6, it wasn't just kind of a, a now and then occurrence of something that's very destructive. But it seemed to be evil continually. And that's the people. But then it has an effect upon the earth because then in verse 11 it says, the earth, doesn't say man upon the earth, it says the earth also was corrupt before God and the earth itself was filled with this violence. And so the Father, knowing how these things work, how these things operate, simply says to uh, Noah and his family that man basically has 120 years. Basically has 120 years. He's telling him about how long it's going to be before this continual uh, um, uh, corruption and this continual thoughts and imaginations and information poured into the system, energy, that's out to destroy man is eventually going to corrupt everything and the earth is actually going to break up. The, the, the fountains of the deep are actually going to break up later on. The canopy that surrounds the earth is going to break open and now you're, you're going to lose this greenhouse type of atmosphere that you have around the earth. And God looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt. Why? Why was the earth corrupt? Because all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. So the people have an effect upon the earth. So once again, I'm submitting to you that the flood is not just the father having his fill of things. I know we, this makes nice songs and, and it preaches good in sermons, but it's not a question. That's, this is why I think we're participating and presenting to the secular world the, the Merlin the magician God here and, and actually the way the Greek pagan gods uh, operate, and that is he gets his fill of it and he gets so angry that he starts striking out at us again. Uh, no, things are going the way that the Father designed them to be in the first place, that if you keep his ways, things multiply the way they should, otherwise things get corrupted. So the whole, whole earth. And of course, the Father's also going to have another response. Not only is the earth uh, corrupted because of the corruption of the people turning away from and mixing. They mixed with the daughters of men. Because of that, the earth. this is what happens to the earth in, in a flood. But he also responds to the obedience of Noah. So once again, there's a collective obedience. There's a lot. No, it's just eight. One might call that uh, not a big enough remnant. You know what I mean? I mean, we don't know exactly how many people there were on the earth at that time, by the time we get to Noah. But I'm going to suggest you, based upon the consistency in the rest of Scripture, the story of Abraham and, and Isaiah 1.9 and so forth, that, that a, little, a little believing remnant that finds grace in the eyes of God can keep the earth from being destroyed by a flood or going up in a puff of smoke, if you will. And so apparently eight people would, didn't even qualify for a little remnant at that time. And so here we have the flood coming upon the earth. And so some of you are familiar with the fact that the word violence there is from the Hebrew word Hamas. Hamas. In Genesis 6 verse 13 it goes on to say, And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me. Now let's stop there. There's another example 
of the use of the particle in Hebrew. We've talked about this before, how how this little word, this little two-letter word, most, not all, but most Hebrew words in your Hebrew text that only appear with two letters, because the way Hebrew is designed, it's the three-letter, what we call the three-letter parent root, that is at, it's kind of like an it's kind of like an atom. It's the smallest thing that contains everything you need to have. Okay, is an atom, and so it's it's kind of like an atom, the parent root, and so that's the reason why the parent root is a mother and a father, and that's why in the beginning when man was created, both the man and the woman were called Adam, and that's that I'm going to submit to you. That's where eventually we get the the concept of atom from, even though in Greek it actually comes from a Greek word atome, atome, which means to not cut not cut. But I'm going to submit to you, when we take this thing back, it's no coincidence that that we have a word that sounds alike and basically means the same thing. Because the idea of Adam is male and female. And so, if you remember, Adam had a cut out of his side and Eve was removed from him. But it was not good that man be alone. So the father immediately put them back together. Because you know what happens when you split the atom. Okay, go ahead. I'm kind of joking, but I'm kind of not, if you understand. And, and so the, the parent root is related to Adam or Adam because it contains both the male and female. So you're able to what? Produce something with it. You're able to produce a child. You can't have just the mother. You can't have just the father. You need both of them together in order to produce something. Well, the same is true with the way the words are arranged. That's why we call them parent roots. And that is we have the male and the female in biology and in the plants and in the field and in the words as well. And so when reading your Hebrew text, you see a word with only two letters. You know that in order to have the full uh, meaning of the word, you got to have a context. That's why, generally speaking, most Hebrew words that have only two letters are called particles. Why do we call them particles? Because they're only expressing part of the meaning of the word. So when you see the word call, for example, which is the word used here, the end of all flesh has come before me, that is a kaf and a lamed, and it's translated as all, but you don't have the full context of what it means by all. You have to go back to the context. That's why sometimes call is followed by what we call in Hebrew a makef, or a dash, something that looks like a hyphen. So it's connected to the word behind it. So sometimes the meaning of the context of the word all is directly connected to that word, the following word, on the other side of the dash, and sometimes it's somewhere else in the text. And this is the case here as well, when it says the end of all flesh has come before me, because we know when we read the context that not all flesh is dying in the flood. As a matter of fact, there's a whole lot of it that's not dying in the flood. And so the context is all those who are not going to be on the ark, all those who did not bother to even help Noah build the ark who just kind of went on marrying and giving and marriage and so on and so forth. Those are the ones that are going to perish in the flood. It says, first of all, for the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. That's why that King James English says, through them is is, is expressing the idea of because of them or literally uh, from the face of them. Literally is what it means in Hebrew. Um, Mithnehem is the word that's, that's used in, in Hebrew there, and it literally means 
from or out of the face of them, but that's just, just an idiom that's, that, that when we put it into English, it comes out through them or because of them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And so it's the earth that is violent because of the men. Why do you think it's turned this way because of the men? Because they turn their face away from the commandments of God. And they did whatever they wanted to do, the scripture tells us. And my friends, in spite of what the powers that be in this world think or trying to propagate, the reality is, is that the reason why things are the way they are is because men have turned away from God, not because men have not taken care of the environment. Because the word of God commands us to have stewardship over the environment. So instead of having a flood wiping out all the people on the earth, we have the agenda of the, envir- of, of, of the green movement, the whole green thing, and the Illuminati and the New World Order and all those things collectively coming together in the last days to eliminate a significant amount of the population off the face of the planet. So where we have a flood here because men turned away from the commandments of God, now we have men upon the earth that want to eliminate other men on the earth for the express purpose of giving them power to the elite, to the noblemen, and so forth. Not to save the environment. That is not the agenda. That's only the facade. Now then it goes on to say, for the earth is filled with violence through them. It's filled with Hamas. That word Hamas, you're probably familiar with, is a chet, a mem, and a samak. The base of that, the two-letter father root, is cham, which is the Hebrew word for hot, or sometimes warm. It happens to be Ham's name. you got Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Japheth, that word ham in Hebrew is ham. It's the basis of this word for violence here or severe uh, anger. It, ha- it's, it has to do something with when someone's hot about something. We say that all the time. Well, boy, is he, is, he, is he hot about that subject or something? Meaning that he's very angry and heated up about it. Heats, it involves the separation of water and so forth. And when you, like when you heat something up slowly. So forth. as a matter of fact, Hirsch, defines this word Hamas as an incremental violence, as to heat something up slowly. In other words, it's not, it's not the idea of something happening quickly overnight, but this earth filled with violence is something that happened over time. It was an incremental type of violence in the word. Now, some of you are familiar, obviously, with one of he, uh, Israel's uh, most infamous enemies, is an organization called Hamas and so forth. They have the same kind of uh, sound to that and the same kind of meaning. Now, what they've done with this word is they put a psalmic on the end of it. The psalmic is the idea of, of uh, also, it, one of the meanings of the word is to hate, but also to snatch or grab something very quickly as well. And so, uh, takmas, for example, the Hebrew word takmas, which contains the same word, uh, Hamas, is a, a, a praying night bird, such as a hawk. When you go to Leviticus chapter 11 you, and you read the things you're not supposed to eat, the unclean praying birds, that's what you're not supposed to eat. The fowl of the air that you're not supposed to eat are the ones that, that snatch things up out of the ground, like sometimes an eagle does or a vulture will come sweeping down on something and gr- snatch it up, grab it real quick. That's that psalmic idea, the anger uh, combined with grabbing something in order, and they tear away at it. 
they tear away at the flesh and they eat rotting corpses and, and things like that. And so that's sometimes uh, referred to as a, a night bird or something such as a hawk. It slowly circles its prey and then snatches it up. And that's why some people even, some uh, uh, orthodox translations of this word is not um, violence, but the earth was filled with robbers. If you look up some of the, uh, I, I think, um, the uh, Chumash and so forth, the um, Stones Chumash and, the, and, and several of the others translate this as the wor- world was filled at that time with thieves and robbers because that's what they do. They, they sweep into something and they snatch something else. If you've, ever have, if you've ever been robbed by somebody, Carol and I have. Uh, we were down in Costa Rica and that's exactly the way it happens to us that while we were uh, distracted by changing our tire, a flat tire, these guys, li- the guy literally came in and snatched, grabbed real quickly uh, my European side bag, uh, which contained everything and ran away with it. So that's another one of the reasons why they believe it was filled with uh, uh, robbers and thieves and so on and so forth. The, the Septuagint has uh, Adekia. The, the, the word in the Greek there is adikia, which is translated in, in the Greek in the New Testament as an unrighteous evildoer. So when the uh, Tanakh says the earth was filled with violence or incremental, uh, if you will, violence over time, the New Testament has unrighteous evildoers. For example, let me give you a few of these examples. In Romans chapter 1, verse 8, Romans 1, verse 18, excuse me. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. That is that word adikia there, unrighteousness. Of course, it's speaking of people here. In 2 Thessalonians 2.10, 2 Thessalonians 2.10, this word is used. When it says, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Can you see that these things are pointing back to the patterns that are set here uh, from the very beginning? And of course, Yaakov or James chapter 3 verse 6 also uses it when it says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. Now, the word that's iniquity there is our word adakia. It's translated as iniquity here. Some of you have heard me quote this before in other places, such as Ezekiel's wheel, in showing how whoever these people are in the latter days, who are, that are being prophesied of in the latter days, they are destroying something that occurred in Genesis, something that happened in the very beginning. And it is their tongue, it is their mouth, it is their words that destroy that's what James chapter 3 verses 1 through 6 is all about. Is not people's literal tongue flapping between their teeth, but rather the words that come off the tongue because they destroy. And whoever these people are, they're destroying something that sets on fire the course of nature or literally in the Greek, the cycle of Genesis or the wheel of Genesis. And so they're out to destroy the things that happened in the beginning. So their modus operandi has not changed since the very beginning. So the pattern here, which once again starts in the garden because of what Adam and Eve did, now that pattern is going to continue. That's why you've heard me say many times that that I believe every purpose, every doctrine, every prophecy, every teaching, every will and desire of our God is in the first four chapters of Genesis. And then when you start 
in the days of Noah, when you start out in Genesis chapter 5 and you start getting toward the days of Noah, then you're going to have a repeating of the same patterns that was in the garden. The pattern of righteousness and the pattern of unrighteousness both comes from, comes from the garden. And so that will be repeated throughout every generation. Every generation, I'm going to submit to you, is basically guilty of the same thing. People who remain firm, always a small remnant in the commandments of God, and those who want to do things their own way. And they are not just developing a different doctrine that separates their religion from ours, but they are participating in corrupting the universe. There's no such thing as saying that there are sins that people do that are none about our business. It's their own personal business. It's not affecting them as long as it doesn't. No, nonsense. Everything that everybody does affects us all. And we're, everyone's suffering. It's just like Jericho. All of Israel, that's a picture that the Father's showing us, that all of the nation suffers because of one man. And you can't look at the world that way, as if these personal sins that people are doing in the privacy of their own homes or whatever has no effect upon us. That is simply not really the way the world operates. So the earth soon is going to break up because... Of them. As a matter of fact, that's what the New American Standard says. The New American Standard says that the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Now, is it God throwing down lightning bolts that destroys the earth? No, it's the word of God, his word that is in the beginning with him that said, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in other words, if you do whatever you want to do, then death and destruction is going to follow these things. And so... That is a matter, I believe, of the laws of physics, the way the laws of phys physics operate in the universe. Another example, uh, well, let's go back again. I want to remind you of what I'm talking about in the garden. Because when we go back to the garden, which is the precedent for all of this, in Genesis 3, 17 and 18, it says, And unto Adam he said, Because you have hearkened unto the voice of your wife. Notice its words. It's a voice. Notice the effect that the words of Hasatan had upon Eve, and now the words of Eve that are going to have upon Adam, and you have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you that you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. Because of what has happened, the ground, the whole earth, it has subsequently been under a curse. In sorrow you shall eat of it all the days of your life, Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. Once again, can man's sin determine what actually even comes up out of the ground? Now remember, once again, we read in Deuteronomy that if you obey his commandments, then the fruit of your ground will be blessed. But of course, if you don't, then the fruit of your ground is cursed. Okay? And duh, if you will. And so, yes, what we do has an effect even upon the earth and all that is in it. Once again, this is why the Father is adamant to every generation of restoring His commandments back to every generation. That's the reason why they brought, uh, the priests and so forth, and, and the prophet brought the book of the law to Josiah, the king. Because the Father looked down, He saw the conditions. He knew the conditions of the kingdom. And he knew that the, the temple was dilapidated, it was falling apart, and, and uh, poverty and, and so forth had reigned in the land. And he knew if, if his words were restored to that kingdom. And look what happened. What happened to the kingdom? And what's the first thing they did to restore that kingdom? They reinstituted the Passover. They started with the first feast of the year, which starts all the rest of the feast. 
And the next thing you know, what does the temple look like? It's returned to its, to its glory and its splendor. The fact is, now you and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. How much more, how much more would he care for us than he does a building of stone? How much more would he do that for us as well? Another example in, in Yeshahu or Isaiah 55, 7-11, it says, now I want you to notice how this starts out, and then we're going to finish it here when, when, when he leads us up to this. He says, let the wicked forsake his way and the un- unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return, shuv, unto Yahweh, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So the idea is first, man, wicked. Wicked man forsaking his way and turning unto Yahweh. Then he goes on to say this famous verse, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith Yahweh. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I'm submitting to, he's revealing some of those things to us right now as we speak. And he set that all up to get to this part. When he says, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returneth not there, but waters the earth, makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing wherein I sent it to happen. Do you see some sort of a cycle going on here. You're listening to Solace Radio, Monta Vista, Colorado. If you like the programming you hear on Solace Radio, please become a partner with us and donate any amount you'd like. You can go to solaceradio.com to do that, and we'd sure appreciate it. And it helps us to reach more and more people around the world with this great message of hope. Thank you for listening to Solace Radio for more than four and a half years. Now back to our program. Do you see some sort of a cycle going on here? That man is taken care of by God and then he turns. But then the father says, if you forsake your way and turn back unto me, then I will have the rain come down from heaven and it will water the earth and it will bring forth every bud and will give seed to the sower and bread to the eater and so, so forth. So man is perfect and complete in the garden. He falls but then God restores him back to the garden. He's using words that, that you would see in the garden, for example. I'm going to submit to you, even when you get to the New Testament, this same kind of concept is being taught in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13, when it says that he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and he gave prophets and he gave evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints. I'm going to submit to you that in the beginning, man started out a whole complete man. And in the process of going through the cycles, each cycle through each generation and then one, if you will, cycle for man in general to be restored back to the garden, back to where he came from. The Father has given gifts unto men to teach and to send things forth and to prophesy and pastors and teachers because we are told in the Great Commission to go out and teach all the world. 
Not just that Yeshua died and rose again on the third day, but all the things of Scripture, because the Holy Spirit was given to bring all these things back to our remembrance. Then it goes on to say, why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Messiah, until we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God into a perfect man and to the fullness of the stature of the fullness of the Messiah. Excuse me, into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Messiah. See that word fullness and complete there? Our Creator's desire is to bring us back to our condition as it was in the garden. That's only going to happen in the Messiah. Because the Messiah is able to do what Adam, the first man, was not able to do. I know you've heard this kind of teaching before, but I just want to relate that to everything that we're talking about him. Here, the Father's desire is to bring us back into his ways from the very beginning. Isaiah chapter 24, verses 5 and 6 says this, The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof, because they have transgressed the Torah, changed the ordinances, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore has the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned and few men left. So once again, why is this happening to the actual earth itself? Remember, that was the result in the beginning. The earth was cursed because of what man did. It was technically the earth that was cursed. Therefore, Cain's offering was not accepted by God because he took it from a ground which is cursed. And only the Messiah can restore what happened to the curse of the ground because Adam's, or excuse me, Abel's offering was accepted from the ground. Genesis chapter 4. Why? Because Abel brought the blood. And because he brought the blood which lifts the curse, the ground, the, the, the produce from the ground, the offering, the bloodless offering was now accepted. That's uh, something I learned from my friend Bill Cloud, and that is something that's always stuck with me, the beautiful picture that's presented there. But let's talk about this verse for a little bit. Isaiah 24, 5 and 6. The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof. So what happens to the earth is because of the inhabitants of the earth. Who would that be? Us. Because they have transgressed, that is havar, havar there. That is not the usual word uh, translated as, as transgressed in the English, which is pesha and so forth. This is havar, which is the root for the word Hebrew, <laughs> believe it or not. Because you can go, you can cro- the idea of crossing over something can go both ways. You can go from good soil into bad soil, you can cross over a wadi or, or a lake or a body of water or something and go from the good soil to the poor soil, or you can cross over from the poor soil to the good soil. That's what, that's what Abraham did, and that's why he's the father of many nations, is because he sovereignly chose, by an act of his own will, to go to where the good soil was, where the father told him to go. And so that's why he's called an Hebrew. However, that word has, has a negative charge to it, if you will. You can also cross uh, the other way and transgress his ways. And that is the word there, they have transgressed. Then there's the word ordinance there. Uh, first, of course, obviously the laws is the Torah, okay? But they also change the ordinance. Now that word ordinance there is a very familiar word. It's chok in Hebrew, chok, 
chukim is the plural of it. In Hebrew, it is the Greek word here, not in all places, but, but prostagma. It's prostagma. Now that word is a Greek word. It's used here to translate uh, the word chok in Hebrew, which is translated as a, an ordinance or a statute. They have changed those things. But this word prostagma, the reason why that's used there is because it's talking about the order of things. It's the order of things. So one of the reasons why, as a matter of fact, one of the words for order, of course, in Hebrew is seder. When we do the Passover, we do the seder, follow seder. That's the order of how things go. The father designed a particular order of things. Paul talks about an order. He talks about the, the head of a man is Messiah and the head of the woman is the man and so forth. That is a godly ordained order. And when you transgress, you cross over uh, that kind of order, you cause chaos in the universe. And so the father has his order of things. And so the reason why the earth is defiled is because people have crossed, they've transgressed the, the, the Torah. They have changed the order of things. Now, see, how can that happen? Now, the order of things is not just necessarily, well, this comes before this, first this, then this, then that. That's not necessarily all the meaning behind the concept of order. The Father, for example, designed everything in the beginning to produce after like kind. And so, therefore, if we leave everything alone the way he created it to be, that's exactly the way the order of things will be, and things will multiply after themselves. And the last generations, uh, if you will, if you believe we're living in the last generation, sees the same truth in the same way things were ordered in the first generation. But if men come along and they start manipulating and messing with the order of things, that's when the, everything starts to turn to chaos. You know, genetically modifying the foods and so forth and taking the, um, the DNA of pigs and trying to mix it with the grains of the field, mixing the animals with the vegetation and so forth and messing around and manipulating DNA, attempting to clone things. And I'm talking about that kind of order and even talking about order in the home. The, you know, the father and the mother and the children, we have these role reversals and so forth. And, and two daddies uh, can be a family. See, that's messing with the family order when you start doing things like that. The government's the same way. When you go back and read the Constitution, the, if you will, the federal government's really supposed to be subject to the states. There are certain things that are supposed to only be given to the states. And it's the people that are supposed to be running things. Uh, in this country, and they just elect representatives to, as, as a republic to represent their desires and the, their needs and what they want. And we got that order all messed up. We have, you know, the government, the people and the congressmen running the people, and we've got them trampling all over the states and so forth. And so this is what happens, and I believe this is part of what's prophesied when it comes to the order of things and what happens to the order of things. And so the result is breaking the everlasting covenant. So therefore hath the curse devoured the earth and they that dwell in. So everything affects everything else. Now, one of the interesting uses of this word, uh, prostagma, which comes from the Greek word tagma, is in 1 Corinthians 15, 23. This is an example of the order of things. 1 Corinthians 15, 23, very familiar verse where it says, Let's start with verse 20 for context. But now Messiah is risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. 
For as in Adam all die, even so in Messiah shall all be made alive, but every man in his own tagma. It's, it's, it's also a military term because in the military, you have an order. You have the, you know, the generals and then you go down to the lieutenant colonels and, and so forth. And then you go down to the sergeants and the corporals and the privates. You have an order in order for the military to operate efficiently. And this is the word that's being used here in Isaiah chapter 24 to describe what the people have done. And so the whole earth gets defiled because we've thrown everything out of order. Another example of this word in Hebrew that's used here, and it's also uh, from this concept of Tagma, is in Genesis chapter 26, verse 5, when we are told that Abraham's seed is going to bless all the nations of the earth in verse uh, uh, 4. And in verse 5, why is the nations, all the nations of the earth going to be blessed? Now, once again, here we have something happening, and it's going to affect all the people that are his of his seed and we've talked once again bef- uh, we've talked once before about what that seed actually is it's the word of god in abraham not the physical seed because the physical seed of abraham is going to produce many of the eternal enemies of abraham including haman and so the reason why the people of the earth are blessed is because abraham obeyed my voice there's once again frequency sound voice he kept my charge. There's this word that's used in uh, Isaiah 24, translated as an ordinance that was changed by these people. He kept that, and so all the nations are blessed. My commandments, my statutes, and my Torah. The same words, basically, that are used in Genesis 26.5 are also used here in Isaiah 24.5 and 6. Another example is in uh, Malachi 4, verse 4. Malachi 4, verse 4, the last book. In the English uh, Old Testament here, I've read this verse many, many, many times. I'm going to read it to you again. Remember the Torah of Moses, my servant, which I commanded to him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and the ordinances. Once again, chukim in Hebrew, but prostagma, the order of things, the things that are going to be uh, causing the earth to be defiled because these things were changed. And so that's one of the reasons why he ends the Old Testament in the English Bibles with a warning from dad, if you will. Don't do these things, but he knows we're going to do it. So that's why in verse 5 he says, okay, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before that coming day. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children. And we're learning the hearts of the fathers right now. And he shall turn the heart of the children to their fathers and we read in the New Testament where the ministry of Elijah was to restore all these things because this is what brings everything back into the order and the final fruition of all of God's plans in the end times. You and I are involved in these things. In Zechariah chapter 3, verse 7, because they obeyed, because they did not do this, uh, Zechariah 3, verse 7 is another example of this word, prostagma, the order of things, it says, thus saith Yahweh a host, if you will walk in my ways, if you will keep my, there's that word, chuk, or prostagma, then what will happen? You shall judge my house and you shall keep my courts and I will give you places to walk among these who stand by. And so there's, there's a reference to this, I believe, in the New Testament several times when it says in Matthew chapter 19, verse 28, because those who do these things, who keep these orders the way they are, they will judge. And so Yeshua refers to this when he says, 
Yeshua said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye who have followed me in the regeneration, because that's the, the first step in the process of returning back to his ways, is you have to follow me. When the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of his glory, you shall also sit upon the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. He says that again in Luke chapter 22, verse 30, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 2, he says, Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Why are they going to judge the world? Because the Tanakh already told us that those who have followed him, if you will, in the regeneration, will walk in his ways, because it's those things that cause the world to be blessed. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 24. I have one more here that I must read back in the Tanakh. 37, 24, very familiar verse. It says, And David my servant shall be king over them, and they shall all have one shepherd, and they shall also walk in my ordinances and observe my statutes and do them. They will all walk and they will do these things, and they shall dwell in the land which I have given unto Jacob my servant, in which your fathers have dwelt you and your children and their children's children forever. My servant David shall be their prince forever and I will make a covenant of peace for them. Why? Because they spoke the words of what is being restored right now. That is why. Now let's go on. I want to give you another example in Vayikra or Leviticus chapter 18, verse 24 and 25, which lists once again all the things that, that we're supposed to do and not supposed to do. They're, these are the instructions that are not a matter of just having a separate doctrine than some other religion does. And then we argue about that. But he says, defile not yourselves in any of these things, for in all these things the nations are defiled, which I cast out from before you. And so the land is defiled. You want to know why the land's not producing? Want to know why there's famine and floods and all this and so forth? You have turned your way from the ways from the commandments of God. So once again... I know I've said this before, but for someone to say, well, you know, the Torah is for some of God's people, but you don't all have to do it. To me, that's like saying, well, you know, some of my people can keep it and hold the universe together, and the rest of you can just let it explode. Let it all fall to pieces, you know, well, whatever. Or for some people to say, is the Torah for us today? Is like saying, well, I don't know, is breathing for us today? Is eating food and drinking water, is that for this generation or is that just for those old Jews? Now, that's analogous to saying that kind of thing. People, just these religious men that just don't understand the power and the nature of the one who created all things. And so these things happen because we turn away from the commandments of God. Going on in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 22, it says, You shall therefore keep all my statutes, all my judgments, and do them. Why? So your religion will stand out from the other religions. Know that the land where I bring you to dwell in spew you not out. So keeping them or not keeping them is a matter of land spewing you out or the land not spewing you out. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, we get to a very important verse. I've quoted this verse many times before, but I want to highlight some things as we get into it here in that we are told that, as a matter of fact, Yeshua is speaking to the scribes and Pharisees, and he calls them hypocrites. Now, why does he call them hypocrites in the first place? Well, because they are the ones that are supposed to have maintained um, 
the the Torah and they were which they did by the way but they were supposed to be the great interpreters of the Torah as well and they were supposed to to maintain his words the way he said them and and to maintain the integrity of them but instead through their extra biblical teachings and the and the writings of the sages and so forth they began to add things to the word of God and they began to remove things and so forth and and they come up with all these fences and rules and regulations in which some of them are, are 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 quite useful, but they're still a violation or a circumventing of many of the things that are in the Torah. Christianity has done the same thing, so they could easily be called the same thing. When when the Bible says, "Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees," I believe, as I've said before, that that's not referring specifically to Judaism or Jews or Pharisees, if you will. But when it says scribes and Pharisees, it's talking about religion religious systems. He's talking about churchmen, religious figures, those who start organizations and so forth, and those who have little committees every year deciding whether that commandment uh, really means what it says. Little committees that get together and decide maybe it's okay for, for, you know, for homosexuals uh, to be pastors and, you know, people like that. They're, they're the pinheaded theologians and the pointy-headed intellectuals of the world. That's who he's really talking to. Because they are the ones that all their pinheaded and pointy-headed intellectualism uh, start getting to the minutia of things and start manipulating the sound, logical, common sense, the down-to-earth, childlike beginning that the Word of God had. And so he's saying, Woe unto you pinheads and pointy-headed intellectuals, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, which is right out of the Scriptures, by the way, that is one of the commandments, but you have omitted the weightier matters. That word matters is supplied there. It's because it's understood. The weightier things are matters of the, of the Torah. Judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye have to, to have done and not leave the other undone. Of course, then he's going to describe it as a, uh, using the analogy of graves and cups and so forth. And, and we'll finish with that in a moment. But the idea is simply this. I want to highlight that there are things that are called for in the Scripture. There are things to be done. And there are things that have a purpose in the Scripture, such as tithing of mint and kumis and anna and so forth. But what they've done is they have uh, changed the order, if you will. They've manipulated the order of things. And they've, uh, because there's an order to God's Word. In other words, judgment and mercy and faith are the weightier matters of the Torah. And you're omitting those things and doing the, if you will, lesser things, not that they're things that you shouldn't do, because that's why he goes on to say, first clean the inside of the cup. In other words, judgment, mercy, and faith are matters of the heart. These are things that are matter of the heart, matters of the heart. Tithing and, and going up in front of everybody and, and putting your big check in the plate and, and, and uh, putting a mound full of cash there and so forth is something that's on the outside that displays all your false humbleness and so forth. But the idea of judgment and mercy and faith, these are matters of the heart. They are matters of the inside of the cup. So he's saying, take care of the matters of the heart first. Now, remember we talked earlier about how the frequencies and the things that we say and the things that we do all have a sound and they all are hovering, vibrating and so forth and making a sound. But it's the, the way, it's the nature and dynamics of the entity from which the sound comes forth from, or the frequencies come forth from, that's going to determine uh, the, the power 
of that frequency. And so that's why your heart, that's why the Bible talks about first your heart, change your heart, because that's going to determine uh, the, the dynamics behind the words that you say. In other words, there's a difference between saying, I love you and I love you. See, you, in other words, you can say the words, I love you, but the dynamics and the structure of how you say it is going to determine the, determine the effect it's going to have upon everything around you. So the Father's saying, if it's coming from the heart, if it's coming from a pure heart, the Bible says in Psalm chapter 24 that who can approach God? Those who have clean hands and a pure heart. I'm going to submit to you the order there, of course, is that if your, if your heart is clean, then uh, your hands will be clean. And so he's saying you are omitting the weightier matters of the law. Now, and they are judgment, mercy, and faith. Now, notice that the weightier matters are not even Shabbat, uh, Passover, and Sukkot. Or how about the weightier matters are certainly not uh, the new moon, uh, calendars, and how to say the name correctly. As a matter of fact, I'm going to propose to you that those things that I just mentioned are in the category of anise and cumin and mint. And that a lot of us are focusing on getting those kind of things correct, being right about the calendar, being right about how to say his name, even being right about the essence of the Messiah, his whole deity issue and so forth. And what are we omitting in our culture? Judgment and and or ju- justice, shafat and so forth, chesed, mercy, and imunah or faith. These are the weightier matters of the Torah. Why? Because these are the matters of the heart, and it's the heart that's going to determine the veracity and the validity and the power and strength of your words. And so these are the weightier matters. Now that word weightier there in Hebrew comes from the root. Kavad, which is Kaf Bet Dalet. And the variations upon that three-letter parent root. Remember, we have the three letters, so we can express the full meaning of the word. What we're going to do now is you just change the vowel structure, and that gives you the nuances of what the of how the word's going to be expressed in Scripture, depending upon the context. And so if we change the vowel structure, it can be translated as liver. We've talked about that before. Why? Because the, the, the meaning of, of, of kavad, the root of it, is glory, honor, your liver. And so, once again, we've talked about the fact that what, what in the world do those has, have anything to do with each other? Because the actual primitive, agricultural, concrete meaning of those three letters is not glory. That's the abstract use of the word. Glory is an abstract word. I'd be, I'd be willing to bet you, if you ask, ask the average person, even the average religious person out on the street, what is the glory of God? What does that mean? And I bet you, you would get a range uh, all over the map of what the glory of God really is. But when we take it back to its concrete structure, its brilliant simplicity, it simply means the weightiest thing, the heaviest thing, the most important. That's why we talk about something being uh, the gravity of the situation. Okay, it's very serious. It's very heavy and so forth. And so the liver, the heaviest organ in your body, one of the things designed to remove toxins out of your system and to cleanse you, also comes from that root because it's the weightiest thing. It's the most important thing, if you will. And so the glory of God is the weightiest part, the most important part 
of who he is. And how is it revealed here? His judgment, his mercy, and his faith. Those are the weightiest matter. Now, it also happens to be, and I asked you to remember this word, and then we would come back with it, when we were talking about the four forces of the universe, that the most important one is gravity. Now, in Hebrew, the word for gravitational force, not gravity, that's a different Hebrew word, but the modern Hebrew word for a gravitational force, which is this fourth force, and the most important one, because it binds the whole solar system together, is that same word. That same word, that same root, kavod. And it's translated as a gravitational force. Why? Because gravitation is what weights things down or holds things down. It keeps, every, it keeps planets in their orbits and so forth. It keeps the moon uh, from going through its, its phases around the earth because of the earth's gravitational force. It's, it's uh, if you will, it's, it's wooing it. It's, it's drawing it and so forth with this force. And so that happens to, ha- to be the same word because it's the most important thing. These are matters of the heart is the most important thing. And of course, gravity is the most important of the four forces in the universe. Now, as I've related earlier, what comes from the heart determines our words and our action. And is our words and our action, which in turn affects the whole earth. And the earth is directly connected to what? To the space-time dimension. Everything's connected. The Creator's frequencies were driven by a pure heart. In Psalm chapter 12, verse 6. I'm going to propose something to you as soon as we read this here. Psalm 12, verse 6 says, The words of Yahweh are pure words, like silver tested in a furnace, purified seven times. They're pure words. And that's the reason why He could speak forth Words coming from a pure heart with pure words, if you will, and create something so perfectly pristine and beautiful and gorgeous as some of the flowers you see growing in the field and some of the brilliant colors of a sunset. If you watch the sunsets at night, he created all those things and they're even in a state of corruption. Can you imagine what these things look like back in the time of Adam and Eve? And so as he created and put these pure things into their place in the universe and said to these pure things, which he created because he knows the frequencies. And it's not just that he knows the frequencies. It's because they come forth from a pure heart. And that's why the heart always has to be first. That's why the Shema and the Vehafta and so forth talks about these things coming forth from your heart first and that you shall love him with all your heart. And if these things are truly coming forth from your heart, a pure heart, and you have clean hands, now you can stand before a pure and righteous creator. And so I'm going to submit to you that Yeshua had a pure heart. And because he had a pure heart, he was successful at everything he set his hand to do, which is something we, you know, we end every CD with. He was successful in everything he set his hand to do because he had a pure heart. And so when he said, be healed, the person was healed. And I'm going to submit to you that many times he did not go in certain villages and certain towns because somehow the heart or the soil of the individual had something to do with how successful a pure heart was going to be as the sower goes about sowing the word. 
And so because of unbelief, he didn't go in certain villages and so forth. But the reality is, some of us just have to admit, why can I not do the things that the Messiah did? I think everything, he's given us everything we need to do to do these things with. But I think we just fail to realize, and no one, no one can see that more clearly than I can in myself, that I really don't have the pure heart that I need to have, that that's what I really need to work on first. And then all these things will be given unto you. That's why he says, clean the inside of the cup first, that the outside may be clean also. And that's one of the, the, the sad things I see going on in the whole Hebrew roots thing and the whole messianic umbrella. And, I, and when I say messianic, I mean the whole umbrella. Uh, you know, the unions and the Hebrew roots people and the two house and the one house and the whatever, all of us together are collectively the children of Israel. Whether we taught that as a theological proposition or not, whether we uh, assent to that or not, the reality is if you believe and follow the Messiah of, of Israel, then you are my brother and we cannot seem to come together to get anything accomplished in these days, like the things that we see in the book of Acts and the things we see in the Bible, we really don't see that kind of thing going on. Oh, there's a smattering of it that happens here and there across the world, but that's not what the Father's desire is. He wants to see, he wants to see things happen and restored back to the way they were so we can see a lot of these things. And I'm going to submit it to you that we're putting too much minutia, so many, so many issues being right about the mint and cumin and anise and omitting the weightier matters of judgment, mercy, and faith. This, I believe, is the reason why we don't see a lot of these things happen. Because I, the promise is, if we do clean the outside, of, inside of the cup, the outside will indeed be clean also. So I'm going to propose to you that it is my opinion that when we, as the body of Messiah, get the judgment, mercy, and faith down pretty good, then I think the Father is going to reveal his, the, the, the calendar, the whole moon issue. He will reveal his true name, how it's actually pronounced, all those things that we seem to get overly possessed with trying to understand. He's going to reveal those things, but he has an order to the way he does things. And I believe that his people not including the rest of the, of, of the world, if you will, have changed his order of things. And so therefore everything is corrupt. Because remember, I believe the Father knows that most of the world is not following his commandments and statutes and ordinances. So the whole earth is not going to be sustained, much less restored by the unbelievers. It's only going to happen through his people. And his people are called this little remnant. And because it is us he is looking to in order to get our act together because that's going to affect the whole creation. Now, next time, when we get to CD number four, we are going to talk about the creation and talk about the effect that uh, you and I have upon the creation. And we're going to give some more examples of why the flood happened. Why, as a result of the people on the earth doing whatever they imagine in the thoughts and intents of their heart and why the, the earth broke up and probably expanded the earth by as much as 10%, which would have um, uh, 
cut in half the atmospheric pressure, which would have reduced the oxygen content by one half, which meant a lot of things that had small lungs, like dinosaurs and so forth, would eventually died off and so forth. And why the, the atmosphere of the earth changed, the environment, remember that word, uh, changed dramatically upon the earth and that things didn't live as long as they did in, uh, before the days of Noah and so forth because of man. It is man that's responsible and that most of our problems in this world are self-inflicted. But keep in mind, the same is true when we restore the words of God. The same thing can happen in restoring things in our families, in our communities, and in our bodies, and in our towns, and in our country as well. These things can be restored. So until we see you next time, cling to your roots that your days may be long and that you will prosper in everything you set your hand to do. Once again, we will see you next time. Be with us. Hope you're blessed. Shalom Aleichem.